welcome to the Sisters for Prevention Breast Cancer Resource Podcast and YouTube channels. I am your host, Judy Fitzgerald, and it is my great pleasure to bring you the latest information and strategies for breast cancer survival and prevention. I am a 12-year breast cancer survivor living with NED, no evidence of disease. My passion is supporting the primary prevention of breast and ovarian cancers. It is my great honor to serve as a consumer advocate for the breast and ovarian cancer vaccines developed by Dr. Vincent Tui at the Lerner Research Institute at the Cleveland Clinic in Ohio. 2021 was an exciting year for breast cancer. It was the year we launched the phase one clinical trial for the first preventive breast cancer vaccine. This vaccine is presently being tested on recently diagnosed triple negative breast cancer patients who have completed treatment. Our goal is to prevent recurrence in these patients. Sadly, triple negative breast cancer is the most lethal form of the disease and has the highest probability for recurrence within the first five years. So what's next? We will need support to complete all phases of the clinical trials to obtain FDA approval. Once the vaccine is proven safe and effective, the Cleveland Clinic has partnered with the Nixa Bioscience and their CEO, Dr. Amit Kumar, to commercialize the breast and ovarian cancer vaccines and make them available for use. For all things breast cancer and to remain updated on the vaccine's progress, please visit my website, www.sistersforprevention.com. That's www, the number four, sistersforprevention.com. And now it is my great pleasure to bring you today's program. Thank you for joining us. Again, I am sitting here in beautiful downtown Newport, Rhode Island, looking out at the sunshine. It's a bit cool for the month of June, I must say. It's in the 60s, but still a beautiful, cloudless, sunny day. Definitely something that would put you in a very good mood. So this week's updates, we are did not have a breast cancer vaccine meeting yesterday, but I had a very interesting conversation with a gentleman whose name is Brad Pearson, and he is a marketing manager for Witty Health, who are building this website called oncopower.org. And the purpose of this website is to link patients with oncologists, basically in case they don't know anyone in their area, or just have general questions that they can ask and sort of create a group chat, which is always very helpful when you're going through treatment. I was quite excited that they invited me to post some of my podcasts on their site, asked permission to use some of my previous posts, as well as some of the blogs from my website. So we haven't really started that partnership yet, but I'm pretty excited about it. 
I'm excited that Sisters for Prevention is getting some visibility from the standpoint of trying to help people navigate through their breast cancer journey and to be a support system, which has been my mission and my goal since starting this whole, uh, I don't want to call it a project. I want to call it uh, sort of a labor of love that has given back to me so much more than I have given it. So for those of you that are using my website or listening to my podcasts, I say a very big thank you because I feel that by putting the information out there, if I can help someone just a tiny bit through some very excruciatingly difficult time, that I would be so happy to hear about that. So I've been posting a little series I'm not really labeling it a series, but talking more about the mastectomy process. But today we're going to focus on a different part of the process, which I am calling in the rearview mirror. Now, what I mean by that is that although I've posted about preparing for mastectomy and what the mastectomy was like, if you listen to my other podcasts, I talk about the post-mastectomy stress I call disorder. It's not a disorder. It's just a, a phase. But, but now I'm going to do a little bit different slant on this. What I'm going to talk about is what I wish I had known to expect about the challenges I would face post-mastectomy. And physical as well as emotional more from the standpoint of the changes your body goes through and things that you think you expect, but then when they happen, they sort of knock you off your feet a little bit and you say, wow, I wish I knew that. So let's let's start at, at the beginning here. So when you're diagnosed with breast cancer, what's probably foremost in your mind is to expedite the surgery as quickly as possible. We're all like, just get this cancer out of here. I, I need to know more information. I can't know it until I have my surgery. All you want to do is to grid your body of the cancer. Now, I already said that in another blog, I talk about how to prepare for a mastectomy in a practical way by getting the supplies you'll need for physical recovery. But what I didn't discuss in that podcast, unfortunately, what I find is most often not really discussed was how I would emotionally feel about the loss of my breasts. So in my book, A Teacher's Journey, What Breast Cancer Taught Me, which the link, you can find the link to this book on my website, sistersforprevention.com. In there, I reference and recall the morning of my mastectomy, when I I was staying in a hotel that night, so I'd be closer to my hospital, which was the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston. And since I lived an hour and a half away and had to be there at 7 a.m., those of you living near Boston know the traffic can be just horrendous at that time of morning. So I'm in the hotel, and I get out of the shower, and there's a huge full-length mirror in the bathroom. 
And I look in the mirror and I see my body. Somehow I had this feeling just come right over me that, wow, I'm going to look completely different when this is over. And wow, I have really feel the need to say goodbye to my breasts. I suddenly was filled with emotion and terror about what am I going to look like when they're gone? Not that they were great, mind you. I had nursed both my sons, and they were, after all, 53 years old. Well, at least I was. And those of you that are my age know that they're not beautiful like they were in our teenage years, but they're a bit saggy. But still, the doubt surfaced, and I thought to myself, do I really know what I'm doing? Did I really think this through? And then I burst into tears. I walked out of the bathroom, and my husband, husband John, calm as he always is, and is forever my rock, hugged me and reassured me that this was the right thing to do and that I would be okay. And he kept saying to me, the most important thing is that you are healthy. After taking a lorazepam, which those of you know, it's sort of like a Xanax that my surgeon had prescribed to settle my nerves before surgery, I collected myself and felt better. And I thought I was ready to go. Well, did I really have a choice anyway? So no matter how you feel about your breasts, whether they are too small, too saggy, or too large, please know you will grieve them. Even though they betrayed you with this cancer, they are part of you. They are part of your history, your femininity, your sexuality, and a large part of the lovemaking process. Your history you have enjoyed together will now become just memories. I had been told that I could possibly have some minor sensation after recovery, but there were no guarantees made. My mastectomy was to be a skin sparing with expanders that would be placed during surgery, but I had not opted to spare my nipples. Since my pre-surgery testing had revealed that I had extensive both LCIS and DCIS, which I'll clarify, lobular carcinoma in situ and ductal carcinoma in situ. My medical team could not assure me that there weren't cancer cells in the nipples. And at this point, there was really no sense in taking a chance. I had come this far, I was going pretty far, and I might as well go the distance. I th- although I was resolute in my decision and positively certain it was the right choice, given the information and the options at hand, I was still tormented. That fateful morning in the hotel before leaving for the hospital when I cried, it was a foreshadowing for all the tears I would shed in the coming months when my emotions would get the best of me. But sometimes tears are good. They're cleansing and they relieve the tension. And sometimes having a good cry is not so bad. 
When I first woke after surgery, there were ace bandages wrapped tightly around my chest. Pressure was intense, and I thought it was from the bandages, which were, I thought, just wound too tight. The reality was that it wasn't the ace bandages at all. It was the expanders. Nothing can prepare you for the iron bra, I'm calling it, or what the expanders feel like. They're extremely uncomfortable, and getting used to them is a huge part of the first few months of healing. They are hard, immovable, and unforgiving when you try to get comfortable to go to sleep. Many of my breast cancer friends were able to choose the deep flap reconstruction. At the time, this was not an option for me with the plastic surgeon I selected. Her expertise was limited to using stomach muscles for the tissue needed for the deep flap. I didn't have enough tissue available in that area. What I wish I had known is that our specialized surgeons trained to harvest tissue from other areas, such as the buttocks, thighs, or hips. I would have loved to get rid of the fat on my hips. But at the time, it was sort of a new technology, and not many surgeons were trained in that area. This also may have involved travel, but I would have done so to have had natural tissue as my new breasts in lieu of these silicone implants I would later receive. I was quite fortunate not to require chemo due to my low oncotype score, but I was not prepared for the healing process, and the completion of reconstruction would require a long 12 months of procedures, checkups, surgeries, and mental coping and mental stress. I found yoga, meditation, sought a counselor, and I walked to decompress, but I wish I had mentally prepared myself better. Most medical teams, or at least mine, would only volunteer information in short doses, or snippets I call them. If you don't ask a lot of questions, they don't really give you a true picture of what's ahead. But I did ask a lot of questions, and I gained immense information by networking with survivors and those that were experiencing similar treatment. But I still was not prepared. So back again, I've talked about this before. The word survivor is a tricky word. No one actually survives breast cancer. One can only hope to get through the ordeal. I was not prepared that I would never be the same. I find myself referring to events as pre-breast cancer and post-breast cancer as an important milestone in my life. For me, using the term survivor feels superstitious as the possibility of recurrence looms forever. I have since adopted the newest reference of NED, no evidence of disease. As another survivor so aptly expressed, the only way you'll know if you are truly a breast cancer survivor is if you die from something else. No one wants to find out that way. My journey was simply that, my journey. Every journey is unique, just as each person is unique. 
so your journey will be unique to you. You can prepare yourself by reading other stories, but yours will never be the same. Just as there are many types of breast cancer, there are so many factors that are unique to your story that it's important not to compare yourself with others. Most importantly, take time for you. Don't fight what your body is requiring or telling you you need. Rest. Recovery is slow and should be at your pace. If you try to keep up with expectations based on others, you'll only add stress to an already overwhelming situation. It isn't and can never be the same for everyone. Another unexpected challenge was that I never thought I would need to purchase new clothes. I assumed that since I had requested to be the same size, my clothes would fit. I was surprised that they did not. Since implants are not as mobile, or shall we say flexible, as real breasts, I had to go up a dress size to have the bodice fit. Initially after surgery, there's also swelling that adds to the size, and this is a changeable process throughout the months that follow. I had to adjust or opt for more comfort than style until the process was complete. When you're struggling with body image, this is a tough pill to swallow. But to put it all in perspective, I am blessed and fortunate to be 11 years Ned. I don't take it for granted one bit. It has taken years, but I now accept my new normal. Getting involved and becoming a patient advocate has been one of the most rewarding and healing blessings I've experienced. The friends that I have made and the journeys I have shared have been an invaluable part of my life. My mission now is to give back. Since my diagnosis, I've tried to keep in mind the Bible passage, to whom much is given, much is expected. Not to be cliche at all, but I find the more I give, the more I receive. So we come to the end of this podcast. And as always, I am so grateful for you listening and following me. Please, if you would subscribe to my channel and my website, you'll help gain recognition so that we can reach more women and help them through their journey. If you know someone that you love that is beginning on this journey, please share it with them. And remember, tomorrow is not promised, so be present in today. As they say, that's why it's called the present, because it is a present. Be kind to yourself and take time for you. And I leave you with this thought again. Cancer is a word, not a sentence. Stay well, stay safe, and may God bless. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or on Feedspot.com. Your feedback is important in helping us select topics for future podcasts. To stay updated on the latest news about the vaccine clinical trial, please subscribe to my website, www.sistersforprevention.com. That's sisters, the number four, prevention.com. Also, 
Please note that the topics discussed on this site are not meant to be used in lieu of medical advice. I am not a medical professional, nor do I claim to be. I am merely sharing what I have learned from personal experience, discussions with fellow survivors, and many hours of research. So for now, I'll leave you with my mantra, cancer is a word, not a sentence. So may God bless you and keep you. Till next time. Thank you.